coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I speak with the director of Extant Labs, do a live review on gun lubrication, and discuss our must-haves for this summer's Tackle Box. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. If you like the content we're creating, we'd appreciate it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review as well as a comment. And you know how we do this. I cannot start it without the B-I-G across from me. Big Keith is in the house. Keith, how are we doing? Good, Mike. How you doing? Good, man. I'm having I'm, a great day. Good, good, good. Yeah, man, I'm I'm enjoying it and uh, ready to get this show going. I I'm actually I have a couple of really cool things here. So okay. first off, it just dawned on me that we have officially been doing this for one year. No way, over a year actually. Wow, that's yeah. true. Actually, You're right. It was like May. Yeah, May, May. May was the pilot, I think. May was the pilot, and I was like, oh, I just like dawned on me. I was like, man, and. I'm super like, I'm going to kind of pat us in the back a little bit. Oh boy. Yeah. No, I just, you know what? A lot of people start podcasts. They say the magic number seven and they quit. And a lot of people like, oh, they do one and then they get, take a week off. We have not missed one scheduled appearance in an entire year. So I just, uh-huh. I, I, I hope that, uh, you know, You're we're working us out, too hard. Yeah, I am. <laughs> well, I'm going to start making us do more than two a month, maybe. So careful. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. So, um, so what's new? I, I, I think, um, I, I bought another car. Oh my God, dude. This is with your wife's car. This is four, right? Uh, no, this will be, this, oh wait. Is yeah, it it's four. four. Oh, yeah, this will be four. <laughs> <laughs> you lost count. Lost count. Oh, yeah, I, that's I, I mean, four is not enough to lose count, but uh, yeah. Uh, I found a sweet 1996 Lincoln Town Car with 40,000 original miles. Wow. So now you have a caddy and a town car. I have a caddy and a town car and God. a 900 horsepower Mustang. You're like the pimp of the neighborhood. We're going to get you a big hat with like a feather plume. Oh, you know some of the neighborhoods are going to love this car. Oh, my God. Yeah, love as in facetiously love this car. <laughs> you have a loud 900 horsepower race car and two boots. <laughs> Wait a minute. The caddy's not a hoopty. I, mean, hoop, I say that affectionately. I think that's uh, like a good term. Well, it is. I guess. I yeah. guess some people would call it a hoopty. Yeah, or like a big, like old school car. I think it's like like a hoopty, right? Yeah, it's all right, I'll take hoopty. All right. So that's awesome. Actually, speaking of awesome, we have a review that I want to read, uh, and it was titled "Awesome." So, like, oh, perfect. That was a great segue. Uh, so, awesome was from a five star review from Tatoy. I think that's how you say that. I was wondering, was it like you know, there's a drink, a hotty toddy, or something like that? Like tea tot. Yeah, is it is it related to that? I wonder. Tot tot. No, because it's tot toy. Tot toy. T o t t o y. Tot toy. So maybe it's hotty tot toy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I I hope for your sake this review was by a really good looking blonde or something. Me too. I'm just gonna keep it that way. Yeah. Anyway, so tot toy said. Mike and Keith are the real deal. I love this, the real deal. Mike and Keith are the real deal when it comes to both education on firearms and just general firearm knowledge. Highly recommend you give them a listen. I have to tell you, Tatoy, we are actually not that big of a real deal on education <laughs> of firearms. There's a lot we don't know, hence the gun experiment, but uh, I do appreciate the compliment and we try very hard to be prepared for the show. So I guess that's we like showing. to we, we like to learn though. We do. Yeah, no, definitely. Lifelong learner, right? Yeah. I yeah. said that just to sound corny. It was a little corny. Yeah, I know. Uh, and before we get into the interview, this show is sponsored by 
Carolina Custom Foam. So we had uh, Peter Pete. from uh, Carolina Custom Foam on the show back in November. He was our Thanksgiving episode, and yeah. he decided to... Uh, Amazing cases. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're works of art. But here's the thing, guys. They're like $900 cases. You don't have to buy $900 cases. He sells just the foam, and the foam is... Uh, it's like a proprietary foam that the big thing is, if you ever bought like a gun case that has that like cheap foam in it yeah that i have stuff, one of those yeah that stuff absorbs <laughs> that stuff absorbs moisture legit i've had a gun rust in a case because i left it in there somebody oh i bought a gun once and they were like do not leave this in the case because it absor- the <laughs> yeah. foam absorbs moisture anyway his foam does not absorb moisture from the atmosphere okay. because of the um the chemicals that they use and it, I, from what i understand it uh uh it's a it's special it, it's special for him yeah it's special for him <laughs> It's magic. Magic. You know? Yeah. Magic Pete foam. And on top of that, it's two times firmer than uh, the weight, some of those like flimsy foams that move it around. Sounds like a mattress right now. It, well, that's his background was furniture. Right? right? I remember this. Yeah. yeah. So, he anyways, was, uh, he was fixing all the old ladies' couches. Yes. Yeah. So, two times firmer, holds your firearms in place, but doesn't add any weight. So, if you're looking for uh, some foam for a, maybe a, a new build or something like that, you can get 10% off with the code TGE10. So go check them out. He's a really good guy, and and you know obviously the foam is uh, is some pretty high tech stuff. And so. if you if you have a case, you should consider upgrading to this foam. Yeah, so. definitely. And if you know maybe you keep the foam you have for the gun setup you have now, but maybe you get a new gun or something, you can yep. swap out just the foam, not the case, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So anyway, let's get to it. Our guest tonight is the director of Extant Labs, a company dedicated to developing cutting edge chemical products for sportsmen and competitors made right here in the USA. Please welcome Matt Browning to the show. Matt, how you doing? Thanks for having me on, man. I'm I'm pumped to be with you guys tonight. Uh, uh, us too. Anyone with the last name Browning is a cool guy to me. I said the same thing when I when I first talked to him. <laughs> oh, did you really? I did. Oh, that's we did not know that that he said that. I swear, Matt. Yeah. Has that has that does that said a lot to you? Well, you know, the Browning name helps me uh, with sales a little bit. Yeah, Good for you. Get yeah. you in the door anyway. No, I'm, not, re- I'm sadly not related to the gun family. Okay. Yeah. Well, don't tell people that. Just yeah. lie. I, I don't, I'm not going to inherit the fortune. Oh, you know? darn. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just want a couple of the Brownings is fine with me. Yeah. Well, you have one, right? I have one, but I want a, you know, really nice one. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, have you, uh, how did you get exposed to firearms? Has, has it been something your whole life you've been shooting or? Yeah. I, I grew up in the South, Alabama and Georgia mainly. So, you know, in the South, when you open a, a box of children's cereal, there's actually a gun inside. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, it, it was just part of the culture. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, shooting with dad, you know, going dove hunting or whatever. And then dove later hunting, on, yeah. I ended up teaching, uh, at a boy scout camp for a few years, uh, trap and rifle. Can can we talk a little about dove hunting? Yeah. For a let, second? let me give a background on this. So two things. First, if you said Georgia, we've had a lot of uh-huh. guests from Georgia or a lot yes. of people we've right. And second dove hunting, we had a guest on that talked about dove hunting. I've always wanted to do it. It seems like the most fun uh, hunting event ever. Is it? Is that true? Well, I haven't done it since I was a little kid, but it was super fun then. Yeah, because it's like very social, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're out marching through through a field and, you know, you can have dogs or whatever and you're scaring animals out of the brush. And <laughs> it's it's cool. It's a great way to, like, get outside and, and you know, find your lunch and what have a good time. Is it, is it uh, similar to uh, ski or trap or... I mean, I think that the games are are definitely designed to simulate that uh, and to to train those skills. Uh, but you know, just being out away from a controlled environment and out in nature, mm-hmm. 
is is just for me that that's a big part of whatever I'm doing is I want to be out in nature, um, not in a not in a man made controlled environment. So I really with with when I was a kid doing that kind of stuff and and then now today with mainly fishing, uh, that's what I'm really after. Yeah, I have to say that like I did one pheasant hunt. And um, I'm on this kick now where I want to pack my freezers with as much game meat as possible. I got a couple deer, a couple hogs, and I want to add some trout and some uh, some pheasant this year. But I, you know, I agree with you. When you're walking out there with the dogs and some buddies, and you know, it, it's a good time. I, I would agree better. with that. Yeah, yeah, right on, man. How much uh, did you shot? Did you shoot trap in high school? You said, or just growing up with dad? No, I didn't. Um, I was hired as uh, when I was in college. I was hired to to be the shooting sports instructor at a Boy Scout camp in Georgia. And uh, so part of that was teaching trap and uh, riflery. So we'd use 1022 like Remington uh, military trainer rifles uh, for riflery and and just a 20 gauge pump action for for trap. And yeah, it was great. And uh, I I shot trap like every day for two summers and I was really good at it. (laughs) Do you still shoot it? It's it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite games to still play. No, all, all my trap shooting skills have totally devolved. So mainly I now shoot uh, USBSA and IDPA action pistol type stuff when I can. My trap shooting never evolved. So we're, we're very similar. <laughs> right so, all right. So now we know where the gun part came in. So what's your background in what I'm assuming is chemical engineering. Um, how did that happen for you? Well, I've been in the chemical industry for about 15 years. I started in sales and, um, you know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a mad scientist. And then as you're coming up through school, the the man tries to beat all your dreams out of you. <laughs> uh, but if you're if you're lucky, you get to hang on to him. So after a few years in the chemical industry, I, I weaseled my way into a position where I could start doing some uh, doing some research and uh, starting formulating and and developing chemical technologies. And uh, in, in that capacity, I'm mainly self-taught. Uh-huh. which was a lot of fun. And I was really lucky to have the opportunity to uh, have some good mentors in the company that taught me a lot. And, um, and so after a few years of doing that, now I'm uh, I'd say I'm in charge of product development for a chemical company called Cisco chemicals. Yeah, I saw that. And you know, it's funny you talked about, you wanted to be a, did you say mad scientist? I, I think that's the word you use, but yeah, yeah, uh, what's yeah. funny is when I was doing my research, like a couple of people, like other interviewers have referred to you as like the mad scientist. I didn't want to bite off them, so I didn't use it, but it, you could tell <laughs> that like I, you like it. Yeah, I think you like it. So, so what made you marry your, you know, so you have this chemical engineering or chemical background and uh-huh. you, this firearms background, what made that come? Did you go to, you said, was it Cisco? Yeah, so I'm, the company I'm with is Cisco Chemicals. And did then you go to them and pitch them on this? What? Yeah, so uh, you know, at the time I was shooting a lot of USPSA, and and I I was developing some other industrial lubrication technologies, and I and I and I had these these cool tools in the toolbox that I couldn't help but start tinkering with my guns. You know, when I mean tools in the toolbox, I mean various chemical technologies that eventually evolved to become our product line. Sure. And I, and I, you know, it's just, if you're a tinkerer, you can't not tinker. So I just started taking these things and and putting on my guns and making samples and giving them to my shooting buddies. And, and over the course of about two years of just testing and development and sharing samples here and there and sending people stuff, uh, our product line started to evolve and it was, it was good enough and it was unique enough to where I, I, told my employers that, Hey, I can, I can commercialize this. Let's start a brand for outdoor sports equipment, lubricants and cleaners 
And then that ended up, you know, filling out into the line that, that we now have. Good on you for like, you know, I mean, it's not, it's a passion, but it sounds like you're, you're able to, you know, pitch that and really make a go at it. So good for you for, you know, for making that happen. I I hope they gave you a piece. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I'm the only real like gun guy in the company, Um, but I do, but I do get paid to shoot and fish now. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's awesome. All right. So you got a piece piece in another way. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It, It works. I, I really like to hear uh, the nerdy side of how things work. So can sure. you tell us a little bit, go down the process of engineering these products and, you know, like, what, what does that look like? Oh, man. So, uh, you know, I think in the, when you're talking about inventing things, um, most things happen by accident. Most real inventions happen by accident. You're, you're working on five different projects that seem unrelated and you make a discovery on one thing and it ends up sort of moving over to another thing. And so um, with our first product, Echo 2.5, which is the the um, everyday carry slash military uh, gun oil product, um, I was developing a, a method to recycle dirty solvents uh, for um, industrial applications. And part of that process is I came up with this really interesting gel that among other things under certain conditions can um, basically suck all the carbon and contaminants out of a volume of, of oil. Uh, And so I started playing around with this gel and it's really lubricous and and has very low coefficient of friction and some really other cool qualities and working with this gel, you know, the recycling method, although it worked, was never commercialized. We never made any money off of that. But I took this this gel material that I developed and then re reapplied that technology as a lubricant. And so from there you had the the gel component of Echo 25 oil and also the basis for Echo Gel, which is its companion um, grease type product, and Alpha Gel, which is the um, the competition grease product. And it still repelled all the carbon and all that other stuff that you wanted it to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool. The way it works is as, as carbon is introduced into the, the mechanisms, um, this gel is, is really attracted to that carbon. So it will suck up all the available carbon and a gel in this case, an organo gel is, is two parts. It's, um, a, a solid material and it's a liquid. So like jello is water and gelatin. Um, this is lubricating oil and um, a, a kind of an exotic low coefficient of friction polymer that I synthesize into a gel at our lab in North Carolina. And so when the when the carbon uh, interacts with that gel, the carbon is more attracted to or the gel is more attracted to the carbon than it is to the oil inside it. So it kicks out the oil and sucks up the carbon. And as it gets bogged down with carbon, it loses its ability to stick to the metal and sort of gets cast cast aside yep. and and the rest of the the lubricating fluids in the action sort of take its place. So as you're firing it's it's preventing the formation of carbon scales on some of those critical surfaces like the the feed ramp comes to mind in a pistol um or the uh the the uh, uh star chamber in your AR15 has all of these type of um, lubricants that you've in, in, um, invented, has it all been, have they all been petroleum based or have you done anything outside of the world of lubricants in chemical engineering? Uh, well, our, our lubricants aren't, 
all petroleum based. They have some petroleum. I would call them a blend. Um, so we actually use a lot of synthetic lubricants um, from Calumet Refinery in Louisiana, and they actually make um, jet aircraft uh, lubricating oil. Yeah, you know, when I um, so so what it sounds like, and I think this is what I had thought my initial reaction was all my research, you know, I, I didn't get to shoot a lot of with the, with this, but I kind of simulated by cycling the slide manually a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I had read up was that basically it, it prevents, and I'm kind of summing this up, it prevents the carbon from attaching itself to those parts. And yep. I had read, cause when I do reviews, I like to read other people's reviews in terms of like people that left reviews on your product to mm-hmm. just kind of like get a vibe of what people think. And one of the guys said something like, I don't even clean my gun anymore. I just wipe off the solvent that was there and reapply some new, some new, uh, I don't want to say solvent, but oil. And mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting that he could just wipe it off because uh, there's nothing is sticking to the parts. So you could just wipe it off and just reapply and you're good to go again, which I didn't do that because again, I didn't shoot it, but you know, I thought that was interesting that he had that take on it. Well, yeah. And I think, and I think that was sort of where I was going a little bit too with, with this idea of this petroleum based on that was that, a lot of your stuff is, you know, doesn't, isn't flammable or anything like that. So mm-hmm. it's, it, how does it, you know, for the common person, most of people think lubricants are petroleum based. Why, where have all these other synthetic lubricants been all our lives? Well, there, I'm not the only one using synthetic lubricants. There, sure. there, there are yeah. some good people out there making um, some nice synthetic blend gun lubricants. I think the important distinction that I'm trying to make is that, um, Pretty much all the gun lubricant products out there are repackaged automotive technology and automotive yeah. formulations. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so you've got either a petroleum or a synthetic lubricating oil. It just sort of makes perfect sense. Like, you yeah. know, 50 it, it years does, ago, 50 years ago, they kind of went together. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, then you, you can add a, a rust inhibitor to it and you can add something like a high pressure uh, anti-wear additive to it. And that's pretty much all the oils on the market. That's what you've got. Mm-hmm. And which which are, you know, good. There's a lot of good products in that format and I'm not going to knock it. Um, but, you know, I saw that that market was saturated. So I said, what what new things can I bring to the table? And so one one technology was the gel that we've already talked about. And then the other one is um, the what I'm calling the microscopic ball bearings. Um, it's kind of a clunky term, but I, I don't have a better name for it. In um in Echo 2.5, there's these little spheres. They're 30 microns in diameter, which is about a quarter to a half the size of a human hair. Uh, and there's thousands of them in an, every drop. And then in the other oil product, Alpha Sauce, uh, there's 10 micron. So it's a little bit finer sphere. And this is a non-metallic, non-abrasive, low coefficient of friction sphere, which will actually both roll and slide between the reciprocating surfaces of the in, inside the action of your weapon. It seems like every one of these type of products have been covered. How do you flush out these new ideas and maybe tell us your worst one, the one that no one will ever see? <laughs> Man. So some, of, I think some of the worst ones um, were really just iterations of what it became the best ones. So for example, I, I made different um, lubricating oils that had all these exotic viscosity modifiers in them and, you know, too much gel or too much of the, 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 the particle, the lubricating particles, and, and it would come out, it would cause jams and it would, it would 
gum up and using the wrong viscosity of oil. If, if it got cold, the gun would jam. So there's like, there's a million ways to do a gun lube wrong. Um, and I think I made something like 67 different uh, iterations of Echo wow. 25. That's before dedication. I got. Yeah. Man, you got, you got to love chemistry. <laughs> Yeah, that. I do. Yeah, well, you know, you know really a lot of them, it. I could, you can cook it up and just see offhand. This isn't going to work. Right. Um, but we did, we did a ton of testing. I mean, we did, we did two years of sort of informal testing. And then when I finally settled on what I thought would be the final product, we did uh, probably six months of formal testing where we rented an M249 machine gun and, and just let that rip for about 5,000 rounds Yeah, in, in one case, which was awesome. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, you can't you can't oversell the machine gun. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's just the best. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and it was great because we we went to this range and we set it up and and uh, I had a guy there who was a retired M60 gunner and and he he was going to be our we all fired it you know all the guys in the group got to fire but he was our main sort of guide for this thing and he he kept us moving he kept he did all the belt changes he did the barrel changes at the prescribed interval and, and we did it to the book because the um, the U S army qualification standards for CLP specified uh, testing like this. And we were, we were careful to exceed the standards uh, that are put upon products like CLPs that go, that go to the army. So we said, we want to, we want to meet and exceed all those standards and then bring some new technology to the picture. So that's what we ended up doing with those products. Nice. So, so Keith asked you about your, uh, your worst, pro- your worst product. And if it's you thought no one's ever going to ask that on an interview, but, but he did. And <laughs> y- your answer was great, which is basically it's a, it was a refining process. So you did all this refining process and you come yeah. out with these great it, products. So God, it's like, it's like W30, WD39, like it was yeah. WD40 <laughs> that worked, not, yeah. <laughs> That could be a yeah, title exactly. of the show. Write that down. WD39. So, so now, uh, failure is the best teacher. Yes, yeah. yes. So I'm I'm literally sitting here looking at all your product line that that we have here, and you know you were gracious enough to send it out so we could test it. And uh, so I'm going to leave off the real care and the uh, the shank shield for now. We'll talk about that later on in the show. But sure, you have you have um, basically three things in terms of gu- of guns and firearms. So you have your Break contract co- contact, excuse me, break contact, which is basically a heavy duty cleaner that's going to clean out the carbon and fouling out of a barrel, is the way that I used it. Um, yep. And then you have your Alpha Sauce and your uh, Echo Two Five. So the Alpha Sauce, this is for the listeners out there. Alpha Sauce is more for your competition firearms that have um, uh, tighter tolerances and things like that. I think you said that those ball bearing technology was smaller, right? Yep. And exactly. then. Yep. Then you have the Echo 25, um, which is an eCLP. So for people that don't know, CLP is a cleaner lubricant and protection, right? That's what that stands mm-hmm. for. And that was developed for the military, right? They wanted the the guys out there to be able to have one bottle that could do a bunch of things and they could just throw a bottle into their their rucksack or whatever. So, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Um, no, you're, you're tracking. That's yeah. Good. All right. So, so you, what I've read about CLP is that it does all those things good, but none of those things great. That's one thing that I've heard. So I'm kind of yep. curious as your take on like what's what's the better thing to do if CLP is just good. If you want it to really be great, what would you do? And then the other thing is when you sent it to us, you sent us the it's it's like a a two ounce bottle mm-hmm. um, of one and the other, and then you also uh, have these little combo packs. So for those of you listening, the combo pack is uh, either one you can get the uh, the Echo or the Alpha. And it comes with an oil and a grease, correct? So correct. what's the, like, why would someone buy just the two ounce bottle 
why would someone buy the combo and you know why would they choose one over the other three questions hope you got them all <laughs> he's sharp I think, he's I a think mad so. scientist <laughs> so <laughs> so the um Really, when it comes down to grease versus oil, it's almost entirely preference based. Um, we op- our first two products were the two oil products in the two ounce bottles. And then so many guys came to me and said, hey, can you make a grease? Can you make a grease? I want to use a grease. Um, and so I took that gel technology and, and then applied it to a grease format product, which is interesting because all, all greases are basically um, some sort of a, a a soap type chemical or a, a, a metal soap uh, dissolved into a carrier oil to make this thick, sticky stuff. Um, but our greases are, like I said before, organogels, which is a whole different chemistry. Uh, and so you get entirely different properties. We can talk about that later. I'll try to stick to your question here. That's okay. Um, so the, so if you want, if you want a grease, order the combo we're actually i think uh we're gonna have single grease syringes available soon for people that just want to buy a grease without the oil and 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 for those that are listening because they can't see this is audio only the the um two ounce bottles are like a little little small like applicator bottle but the combos come in it's literally it's a syringe syringe. you know so Mm -hmm. you can you have like a syringe and it comes with the two the grease and the oil so that's what you get for the combo pack keep going sorry Yep. And it comes in a little tube. You can throw it in your range bag if you hang onto the tube and it keeps everything organized for you. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, the, the grease versus the oil two ounce bottle versus combo, that's all down to preference. Um, the way I use them personally is I'm mostly an oil guy. The only time I'll use grease, um, is say on the, the bolt of my ARs, I'll apply some grease to that. Um, or sometimes if I know I'm really going to get into it that day, I might apply, and if it's hot weather, I'll apply some some grease to the um, the inside of the slide on my pistol. One of the things that I had read about grease versus oil was um, if you see the bluing wearing, so like actually the feed ramp and like there's parts of the barrels that on, on my barrel were like wearing a little bit, that those mm-hmm. would be good places to apply grease. And uh, when we do our live review, I actually have so- something to talk about with that, but uh, I did a combo. I did like on the rails, I did uh, oils, and then on a couple of spots at the feed ramp, I did I did grease. But the other question I had asked, I know I asked a lot of you, but um, so I said the CLP does a lot of things good, but nothing great. Right. What would you do if you wanted to do great? What's your recommendation? Like, do you guys have plans to make some things that do individual things better, or do you think that the one bottle is good enough? So the, the Echo 2.5 product is my answer to that question. Um, so this, this, the CLP format of product is the army said, give us something that will clean and lubricate and protect and do it as cheaply as possible. So I, you know, so I could, I could go and bid on, uh, military contracts for CLP, but I would never get them because my costs are way higher than what they would pay, uh, just because of the materials I'm using and the extra technology and the labor it takes to create it. Um, so a CLP, traditionally speaking, is an is an oil, which is usually some sort of a distillate. Um, it's a, a solvent, which is volatile and not very good for you, uh, and a, a corrosion inhibitor, and a, a high pressure anywhere additive. And so during I think uh, like Korean War time when the standard is was being produced, um, the army went to some automotive companies and said, "Hey, automotive companies, help us write a spec for." this lubricant and they gave them back basically a a description of motor oil and that 
that standard has more, it's changed a little bit over the years, but more or less, that's how you got to CLP. So there's a wear test, um, there's a corrosion test, uh, and there's a, a, a failure rate test on an M249 machine gun. And so if you can pass those as cheaply as possible, you get the contract for CLP. So yeah, mil spec really means the bare minimum. Right. I mean, you don't want to buy something that doesn't meet mil spec. Right. Because right. there's yeah. there's a reason they demand that spec. Right. I laugh when people yeah, talk about want, you don't want to get in a military plane that's not mil spec. Uh, yeah. I love when people talk about my guns or my gear and they're like, you know, nobody needs stuff like the military. You're a civilian. I'm like, my stuff's better than their stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, but I guess do you want me to continue with the that that question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah definitely. About CLP. So the the uh, corrosion part of it, that's not hard to solve. Uh, that's been done. The reliability and the anti-wear portion of it have been, there's a lot of things in CLP products that are bad for you, honestly. Um, specifically, the anti-wear additives that are added to pass um, the, the what's called the Phalex four-ball test, where they put four balls in, in some oil or three balls in some oil and spin a fourth ball on top of them. If you imagine like a little pyramid of pool, balls in the oil and they spin it under pressure and see how much wear is on the balls at the end of the test. And so you have to pass this test, even though if you think about the way uh, a, a gun action works, it's not a very good analog, but they have to pass this test. So they add anti-wear additives that are toxic. They add these solvents to make it clean um, that uh, do damage to the nervous system. So you, you'll meet a lot of uh, retired army guys that, that never wore gloves because back in the day, they didn't make them wear gloves when cleaning the weapons. And they've got numbness in their fingertips. So I know a guy that, that has this problem just from handling so, so much CLP and so many volatile solvents getting on their fingertips, it did nerve damage. Wow. Yeah. And so with I, all my products... I had an interesting ha thing happen to me. I, I used to do spray on bed liners, and it was like a polyurethane-based um, compound. And, and now I've developed like an allergic reaction to it. Like if I, I smell it, yeah. it, if I smell it, I start sneezing and like, you know, it's like this weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like, I'm not a big environmentalist, but, but exposure, repeated exposure to chemicals is no joke. And if you, if you look at the history of military facilities, uh, they're, they're highly polluted because they use a lot of bad chemicals. I mean, that's just the facts. Uh, and so, you know, for my part, I wanted to make some products that guys could use that wouldn't harm them. So none of our products have any prop 65 ingredients in them, for example. Uh, that was, that was a big stand we took like right at the beginning we, we just weren't going to do that. And our products are a little more expensive because of that. Well, it's an admirable, uh, direction. So we appreciate it, but what, what separates extent labs from, you know, all these other lubrication companies, especially some of those big names that, you know, we all grew up with and our, uh, our parents and our grandparents used, like hops or hobbies. Yeah. I didn't want to say any names, but thanks, Mike. <laughs> nah, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, so one, um, everything's made in North Carolina. Um, we're not, we're not paying um, a third party packaging company to, to formulate and package our products for us and then just apply marketing. Um, we're actually doing our own testing, our own formulating, our own packaging, our own manufacturing. We synthesize a lot of our ingredients ourselves right in our own facilities. So uh, we use American sourced products when they are available some of them just aren't made in America, sadly. I'd like them to be. Um, but also, we we developed technology from the ground up for the the mechanism it's lubricating. So the gun products are made for guns. 
the fishing reel products are made for fishing reels, et cetera. This isn't re- repackaged automotive technology. Uh, and, I, and so because of all the technology that was developed just for this application, we're able to, to have better results because we did it from uh, a clean slate. All right, good. I mean, it, I think the whole, like anytime we can find products that are made in the U.S., I mean, like we we're definitely are excited, excited about that and more companies should do it. And, you know, it's great. It's a great, uh, it's a great thing to hear. We, we know there are limits. Yeah, obviously. But um, so I am a notorious never clean my gun guy. And for the lo- <laughs> for the longest time, it was, you know, and I'm talking like polymer, you know, uh, whether you want Glock, Smith, whatever, polymer, EDC guns. And it was, for me, it was kind of like, I want to run this thing as dirty as I can for as long as I can and see like what its limits are kind of a thing. You know, like go to the yeah. range, just keep shooting it. Part of it was that and part of it was probably that was an excuse Laziness. to being lazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, then I found boar snakes. You know, and I, and I, I still like, I like boar snakes. I, I, I still am a pretty uh, I still run things dirty, but I'm getting better. I, I'm yeah. getting better. Uh, boar snakes make it easier. So do you have uh, any advice in terms of like, you know, the difference between patch cleaning and boar, boar snake? Like is, is boar not as good? Is it kind of like the CLP where it's good at a bunch of things, but not great, great. where patch is great? Like what do you what are your thoughts on that? I love boar snakes. Um, the only time I wouldn't use one. Uh, is if I'm if I'm cleaning the the bore on a precision rifle or um, or on a, like a a 22 where you're using unjacketed bullets and you know maybe you want to periodically clean out some of the lead or even some some of the copper jacketing uh, deposits in there but you know really for for ARs plastic pistols AKs I don't think there's ever really any need to go beyond using a bore snake they do a great job um, I'll I'll throw some oil on the snake, run it through a few times and call it good. I mean, it's really interesting advice because uh, I'm in the process of building a precision rifle and I would not have thought twice to put a boar snake down it until you said something. Uh, and I've even put a boar snake down my 22 a few times too. But uh, we have we both have uh, fairly yeah. highly built uh, 22s, competition 22s. And I was just going to say, I've definitely run a boar snake down that. But the more I think about it, we're, we're talking about getting into long range shooting, 22 yep. competition rifles. That's the kind of stuff we probably shouldn't, yep. right? We probably should. Well, I I, I agree now. It, it yeah. wasn't even a thought until Matt said it, but yeah. you know, hopefully some listeners got, got something. And I also don't it. think you have, I could be wrong, but like I know with 22, they say you shouldn't clean those guns every time. You should let a little bit build up in there. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think I read that somewhere. Any truth yeah. to that? Yeah, there, there is some truth to that. I, I think a lot of guys that shoot precision 22 and, and other precision rifle stuff, they want, they want to maintain a consistent level of copper or lead fouling in the bore, because right. if your bore is spotless, as soon as you start shooting, you're going to lay down a little bit of fouling and, and, yep. you know, they would argue, I I'm not a good enough shooter to demonstrate this myself, but I've heard guys that are great shooters argue that if, if, you go from a spotless clean bore and you shoot a few rounds, you're, you're going to, the characteristics of the bore are going to change a little bit. So yeah, the, I, the best way to do it is just to leave a little bit in there and keep it consistent. Yeah. I, I was actually just looking for an excuse not to clean my 22. So th- <laughs> thanks for, thanks for confirming that for me. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. So in addition to your gun lubrication, you also offer um, some cool products for uh, fishing and, uh, and the biking industry. So yeah. what made you get into those spaces? And uh, you also have a, um, one for uh, for folding knives, which is really cool. Um, so, what made that happen, and what made you venture into those those areas outside of firearms? 
Sure. So the um, the folding knife oil shank shield and the um, bike chain oil are actually very similar formulations because if you think about um, the the action or the mechanism of a of a chain uh, joint and a knife joint, they're basically the same thing. Ah, uh, yeah. So um, I I designed something that is a little bit better for lower temperatures. That's going to be a little bit thicker and and hang in there for a long time because the main complaint of both of those is that the oil is going to dissipate from your knife and get into your clothes, or it's going to fling off on the ground from your bike chain. So that, that just came from, yeah, I've got a lot of friends that do mountain biking and you know, I'm a big knife guy and carry knives and I collect knives. And so that just sort of came out of a passion project slash being around people that were into that. And then with the fishing, I love fishing and I fish every chance I can get. And um, as soon as I started doing these formulations, it was just the natural next step to try to to do something for fishing reels. Is there anything uh, that you're like sort of uh, looking at down the road to add to the line? Any other top secret stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can, I can, I can share one top secret project we're working on. I guess it won't be top secret now. Um, <laughs> so hopefully next year uh, we will have uh, a, a dip and dry format coating for suppressor baffles. Oh. And so, so this, this product is already done. The technology is finished. Um, and the way it works is, you take a clean baffle, you dip it in this uh, mixture, and then you set it out and you let it dry. Then you reassemble your suppressor. And this is especially works well on uh, 22 suppressors. Huh. Then you can go shoot, and we've tested this with up to 1,000 rounds through a can at a time. And you break it back down, and ordinarily you would have a lot of lead and carbon scale fused to the baffle, and you've got to scrape it off and all this stuff. But with this coating, we're able to just wipe it off with paper towels. Wow. Uh, is is no this like an industry needed. first? It's, it's really cool. Like I'm really excited about this project. It's just going to cost a lot of money to get it commercialized because the equipment that we need to produce it, it's pretty expensive. So that's just something that's in, in the future for us, uh, when we can expand our operations a little bit. Um, but, but the, the technologies is done. Um, and if, you know, if you guys would like to test it sometime, I don't know if you're suppressor shooters, but I could probably we live in New York. Sample. Yeah, we live in New York. We'd love to be suppressor oh, shooters. Too but, bad. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe someday. We, maybe. we do. Yeah. We do uh, tra- talk about traveling to Pennsylvania, though. So, yeah, yeah. I think we're right there. Yeah, no, d- down the road, I might hit you up if we ever get the opportunity to work with someone who can can help us out. We, but. we in New York, you know, we have too many uh, mob movies and we're always afraid that somebody's going to, you know, if you have if we allow suppressors, they're just going to sneak up and kill people. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're scared. Well, that, of that happens literally on every street corner here all in the, the South. Time. Constantly, yeah, the people time, are being right. blown away with suppressed pistols. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's crime. The there's yeah. crime all the time done with suppressed firearms. Yeah, you, yeah. you know, I've actually personally been shot in the head six times by yeah. <laughs> with a suppressed. And <laughs> didn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you did answer one of my, I, I was going to ask it and I left it and you actually answered it, which was, you know, could I just use one uh, product on all these things? But I like the fact that like you said it with the shank shield for the knife, like they're formulated differently for different reasons. And the more I talked to you at first, I was like, well, can I just use one, one lubricant for everything? But it's really starting to click. So I just want to thank you for explaining it the way you did. Cause sure. it's like, oh, that's not going to drip down my pocket. And guess what? My knife has not dripped oil into my pocket. So it makes sense. Yeah, right. There, there's a there's a specific additive that I use to make that that product thicken up when it's not in motion and thin out when it is in motion. And so that's why it can lubricate well, but not drip out. Matt, I, I read the label on brake contact um, when I was using it and mm-hmm. I really thought I could drink it. Can I drink it? 
No, you cannot drink it. Okay. <laughs> but it's but it's but it's pretty safe though, correct? Yeah. Well, the the wait, hold on. Let, wait, wait, let me stop you, Matt. Okay. If you're listening out there, we are not suggesting you eat or drink this product. <laughs> we are not responsible if you yeah, eat or drink this yeah. product. But when I say safe, go ahead, Matt. When <laughs> <laughs> when I say it's a safe product, I mean it's not gassing off and filling the room with vapors that go into your lungs and into your body while you use it. Okay. So yeah. don't drink. Yeah. Don't drink. Yeah. But I did, I did, um, when I was using it, you know, I kind of was using, I was trying to figure out what was what, because mm-hmm. you sent me great stuff, but you didn't send me any directions. So I had to kind of, <laughs> <laughs> and we have learned to read directions. Yeah. Keith and I have made a lot of crucial errors by not reading directions. So anyway, I was using, uh, the break contact and then mm-hmm. I read where it said no fumes. And then I did some research and it said like, you know, it's not going to fill your lungs. And I was like, like, let me un- uncap this thing and smell it. And like, it's actually, it's exactly the, what yeah. you, what you described it. It's, it's, yeah. I almost want to say pleasant smelling. Is that? Is yeah, that it wasn't, it, it wasn't a bad smell. I enjoy it. I, I didn't smell it right now. I, you know, I uh, wrongfully, and I, how do I, am I going to say this? Oh boy, Matt. I, I have grown to sort of like the smell of those traditional products. You know what I mean? Just because, you know, but this was not, I, I did, I wasn't, I wasn't missing it that much and it did an amazing job. So, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but, um, it, it is not as harsh as some of those other, other chemicals when you put it in contrast. Definitely not. It's definitely, and I, I literally just took the cab off and smelled it. And it's got like a, you know, very, very, very faint little smell to it, but it's, it's not, it's kind of like the, like the smell of gunpowder. Like, you just kind of like the smell of gunpowder sometimes. I mean, you're weird, but... I am a little weird. You know, yeah. I buy 96 Lincoln Town Cars. What do you... <laughs> <laughs> you? You touched on it before, but in terms of like oil and grease, so I just want to mm-hmm. recap that one more time because I did I did want to ask it. If someone was going to buy one or the other, they could get away with one or the other. They don't need to have both. both but there's yeah. a couple of applications where maybe you would want to use grease instead. Like yeah, long, I, I long think term if you were going to only buy one thing, buy oil because oil has the capacity to... Uh, through capillary action, get into the little crevices and in, in coat the springs and and really creep and protect in a way that you can't. It'll protect things that you can't directly apply it to over time. Okay, uh, a grease is a more stationary product for some pinpoint application on trouble spots. Is grease so, better for long term storage? Um, you know, I, so for a carry gun that you're going to carry every day and not maintain grease is great because the lubrication will be there. If you need it, Mm. if you're going to do storage, you really need an oil that's going to coat well and persist over a long, long time and not gas off. So a cheap low budget oil, say in like a green spray can, um, (laughs) will deposit, um, it will deposit a film, but over time that film will evaporate. Uh, and this is true of, of many, I'm not just picking on anybody. Uh, this is true of many oil-based products is because if, if it's a petroleum distillate, it will eventually evaporate. So you need something that's going to leave a protective film or have an oil base that doesn't evaporate. So all of our products are at least part synthetic and the synthetic lubricants don't evaporate the way distillate, petroleum distillate solvents do. So they're more suitable for long-term term storage. But you actually have to get it on there. You have to do a good job when you put that gun away in 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 the safe for the next year or whatever that was a really nice way to say your competition sucks 
<laughs> try, I try to be nice. Yeah, no, we we uh, we appreciate you being uh, PC and and kind. It's nice of you. Sure. So, uh, Matt, you know, thanks for kind of informing us on this stuff because I have to be honest, I really feel like an idiot when I first started applying your products, but now I feel a little more competent. I, I well, and, and I feel like we at least used them in the right way with little instruction, which yeah. if we can do that, anyone can. Well, they, you you guys have some good videos and stuff, so I have to say that's you know. That was very helpful. But um, where can people find you guys if they're looking to buy product, if they're looking to just keep up on social media? Where, where's the best places to find you? Uh, number one spot to buy our products is extantlabs.com, E-X-T-A-N-T, labs.com. So everything's available there. Uh, we're also, most of our product line is available on Amazon Prime if you if you want to get it quick. Uh, and then we're not, we don't do a lot of social media or advertising. Uh, most of our marketing is word of mouth and just people sharing samples and things like that. Um, but we do, we do have an Instagram account. So if you want to follow us there, we post on there occasionally. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I put links to, as always uh, on our show, we have in the show notes, but I put links to everything that you had. And, uh, you know, if people want to go there, they can go there. And if, you know, not, they can just Google you, I guess. Google. That's right. Yeah. Yep. You can find, we're easy to find. Nice. So uh, we have a tradition on the show uh, where we like to play a game called Run and Gun with our guests, and we were hoping you would play with us today. Okay. I'll play. Yeah. All right. So it's a real easy game. I'm going to ask you 10 rapid fire questions. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to your mind. All right. Let's rip. All right. I like it. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? My Arrow Precision 300 Blackout Pistol. Number two, what gun would you buy if money was no object? Uh, Benelli M4. If you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? <sighs> Teddy Roosevelt. Favorite caliber? Nine millimeter. Favorite hobby, not gun related? Fishing. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flight. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Pistol. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse or significant other? My bro, Barrick. Fastest Barrick. time ever. That, did, was, that, that, that was fast. That was fast. I, 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 I wanted I, to interrupt because I like some of the answers, but I was like, no, he's on a roll yeah, here. I can't. The only one that yeah, had a little hiccup was living or dead. You said Teddy Roosevelt. And what did I do? You were excited. I, I fist pumped because I love Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know if he'd be. He's the man. He's the man. He's the man. Yes. That and so cool. My So my we were having this conversation because my dad listens to the show once in a while and he was talking about he that. He listens to every episode. He was talking to that, about that question. And he goes, who is yours? And I was like, my my grandfather on my mother's side is my my one. Teddy Roosevelt's number two. I, yeah, TR is, he's the he's man. Up there. Yeah. You know, you know, he had a Bigfoot encounter. No, no really? I did really? not know yeah. this. Yeah, he wrote, a, he wrote about it in one of his books. He they was out adventuring. They were hunting. about that. They didn't, he didn't want him to talk about that. <laughs> Dude, his, his buddy got thrashed by Bigfoot. Look Whoa. it up. I'm going to check that it's out. It's legit. That yeah. is crazy. It's time for Top Gear. Let us test it before you invest it. All right, so tonight on Top Gear, we are, of course, going to do a live review of Extant Labs product line. So um, I kind of I gave you this on the phone, but what we're going to do is we're going to actually talk about our experience with it. And then uh, the reason that we, I always give Keith credit, it was his idea to do a live review in the first place. But the reason we do this is... Uh, it gives you a chance to rebuttal or give us some insight into why things were the way they were if, you know, we weren't informed about that. So it's, it's works out really well. Um, cool. 
You know, and I, I've actually always wondered, like, people out there are like, you know, but they they have the guy on. How could they really, like, be honest? Because if it wasn't a good product, I wouldn't have you on. That's that's the answer to that. <laughs> if, it, if it sucked, we would just uh, say, you know what? This probably isn't something we should do. So uh, I'm going to go through my process, and then, Keith, you can go through yours. So I did uh, three different tests. I did, the first thing I tested as soon as I got it, literally the second I got the box, was I have a Kershaw Scallion knife that I reviewed back in an early episode um, I'm actually going to pull it out of my pocket right now. And it has a um, assisted opener. So you're a knife guy. You can flick it with your finger and it, it opens it up. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that after maybe the first year of having this bad boy, I love this knife. But after the first year, I would flick that thing and it just would not really flick. I'd have to kind of give it a little little wrist motion to kind of give it a little assistance. Where in the beginning, that thing, like, you just touch it and it would flip open. So I said, man, I'm going to try this product right now. And I oiled all the hinges. I kind of got in like, you know, uh, right where the blade meets the handle. <clears throat> and I just worked it, worked it, worked it, worked it. And it, for the, at first glance, like it, it did make a difference, but I was like, eh, and I am being completely honest here. I was like, eh, I don't know if I would buy this. Like it, it, it really didn't make a big difference. I put it up on the shelf because I was going to bed or whatever. And the next day, go to work, come home. I put my knife in my pocket. I can't have a knife in my job. Put my knife in my pocket. I take it. I go, let me try this again. And it instantly flicked right open. And I was like, wait yeah, a minute. Man. And then like the next day, it flicked open a little easier. And I'm like, Keith is like right here. I'm looking like it's just a little flick and it's just popping right I, open. I remember what it was like before it. Yeah. And like it literally just, I mean, it just pops right open. And it was your, almost. Your wife is so happy. You have increased the time it takes you to, or decreased the time it takes you to open those Amazon boxes. Exactly. Look at this, Keith. How smooth is that? So. Um, what I feel like was happening, and I think after talking to you tonight, I feel confident in this, that oil was kind of there and it, it was hanging on the knife. And I actually, once in a while, I'll open it up and there's a little drip of oil kind of like it's there. Like it's almost like it's like it's staying there, like you had said, and it's kind of just constantly doing its thing. So kudos. I mean, awesome, awesome. My, my knife, I love my knife. Well, again. I remember you saying like the first like hour or two after you had done it, you were like, I don't know, I'm not really that impressed. And then the next day you call me back and you're like, this thing is awesome. Now. Yeah, it works. It really works, dude. So <laughs> I turned him. Yeah. So Shank Shield. Uh, well, you just got to be patient. You know? Yeah, you got to. Yeah, you got to give it a day uh, and it will get better with time. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's awesome. Um, and the bottle, the little syringe, I mean, there's enough there to probably last me uh, quite a while. So yeah, the next thing will- I did. I've never. Oh, I wanted to ask Matt one thing about that. Go. Can sure. it? Can you? Would it be appropriate to try to use that to sharpen on a stone, like to use that as a lubricant for a stone? No, I don't think it would work well. Okay. Um, the solid lubricants in there would probably embed in the in the stone and make it a little less effective. Effective. Okay. Yeah. So the next thing I did was I've never even thought of lubricating a fishing reel. Me neither. Mm-hmm. I never. I didn't think that was a thing. To be honest, I'm not. I don't fish that often. I just thought you bought a new reel. No, I'm just. <laughs> so I said, you know, I'm, I want to try this. Well, I have an uh, Abu Garcia ultra lightweight that I bought. That is the shittiest rod on the face of the earth. It was like one of those combo. Like you get the <laughs> rod and the reel, you know, and um, it never, it never worked. Like I bought a whole new rod because it just, did, like, it would like you literally it, did what I just it, joked about. It would let line come out in like the fishing, just the nest, like the bird's nests, nest. right? And I said, if this thing can make this work, I, I will be forever impressed. So I looked up a video on how to do it. I used the oil on the, 
gears and then I use, I'm sorry, the grease on the gears and I use the oil on all the other lubrication points and I put a couple little weights on the end of the line. Now, full disclosure, I think at times I use too light of a lure. So I put some some good heavy, I actually used a couple of uh, like washers. Like washers and I just was casting in the driveway. Well, I was flicking it and I'm using that word precisely, flicking it and I caught the, it came off smooth like it should and I caught it into a tree about 20 feet in the air because I didn't realize how much of a difference it was going to make. It literally <laughs> flew, I mean, flew out and it was like caught up in a tree 20 feet up in the air. Like I was like, oh my God, like You've what? You've never a- casted that far in your life. Well, I, if I did, like the whole spool came off in like a <laughs> nest, you know, but like on top of that not happening, it also was casting super far and uh, the action was much better now, on a cheap you, reel. So on a you, good reel. Did you take it? Because I was looking at some videos too um, when I was testing <laughs> testing the same product. Um, did you take it all the way down to the ball bearings on the on the one side or did you just take the spool out and grease you know the one side? Am I making any sense? On the hand, on the yeah, on the handle side. I took both sides off. Okay, and I did, did both sides, and you did both sides. So the gear with the crank yep. and the and the other uh, the little ball bearings on the far side on the spool side. Yeah. Yes, yeah. correct. Okay. Yep, yeah. Um, but I mean, I actually think I could use that that reel now. You know, so that was kind right of cool. On. Yeah. Um, and so so there's here's two products that I was ready to throw away, and I you just saved <laughs> saved me. Uh, did, did you grease your drag washers? Uh. I don't think so. Yeah, you got to go back and do that. That where, grease is, where is, is that? super smooth on the drag. Yeah. Um, where is the drag washer? Uh, it's going to be on sort of the the main axle of all the gears in okay. inside the real yeah, body. You got to take the gears it all off, down. right? Yeah. There's going to be like two or three stacked, usually carbon fiber, big fat washers. Okay. And, and Matt, those gears have to come off to get to them, correct? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you better you better as you're taking it apart, you better lay them out in order, yep. so you can get them back in in the right order. Because gotcha. it's you know it's, but if you if you grease your drag washers, it it does make a big difference as far as the smoothness because you know a lot of breakoffs happen when that fish does his first you know head thrash when he's the strongest, and if your drag isn't ready to slip, if yep. it's bound up because it's been sitting there. Um, he'll break you off. But if your drag has uh, got a little lubrication and it, it'll slip, uh, that the the static friction is is low on that. It'll slip enough to where you can't break you off. So that's really important. Uh, real maintenance. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um. You know. Even even the um flipping the bale. Like I I greased those yeah. points or oiled those points. And like even that. Like when I would the old beforehand, I would flip. It would be like hard to flip that bale over when I would you know spin it and now it was just it was just clicking like so i did a fishing reel too should i you know maybe we'll just stick on the same product before we move on so i i actually had an old uh bait cast that was like my grandfather's that really was in no condition to be fished at all i just i just was keeping it for a keepsake and um i put it i took my good bait cast reel off of a pole and put this on and tried to cast with it first before i cleaned it to give it some comparison and literally, I, it just wouldn't work. It just didn't work at all. So I took everything apart, and there were, it looked like some of the pieces had gotten like corroded together. Okay. Yeah. And I was able to get them all apart safely without breaking them. And uh, full disclosure, I did give them like a quick little wash ahead of time and then put everything back together using uh, using the real, uh, the real care combo. And it's usable now. 
It's definitely, a, you know, it's not as good as some of the modern reels that I have, of sure. course, but it's sure. it's definitely usable. And at least I can, you know, put it on a reel for my kid or something and at least, you know, uh, still keep, you know, I'm a sentimental guy. I was just going to say, yeah. we know, you, we know <laughs> yeah. you're nostalgic. Yeah, so, so I, I'm just happy that I, I'm able to use this reel again that I wasn't able to, to use before. That's very cool. Right on. That's awesome. Um, you want to move on to guns? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So my experience with the product with guns, um, we actually have it out for test with a friend of ours who's a competition shooter. He just hasn't gotten back to us yet. Um, we'll have to maybe bring it up on another episode. But uh, so we didn't test the alpha. We, we don't we don't shoot in any competition than this particular person does. Does uh, yeah. Frank? He gotcha. was on the show a couple episodes ago. I can say his name. Yeah. <laughs> but but you probably could use this on your Browning. I I didn't think about that. Yeah, and yeah. when you do your high your new competition rifle, you could use, use that on that. So, yep, that's yeah. true. So anyway, uh, I did use the Echo Two Five um, on my Smith and Wesson M and P Nine C, so a carry gun, mm-hmm. um, and. What the two big takeaways was I used the oil specifically on the rails and I racked the slide. I mean, I'll bet you I racked the slide 2,000 times. Like I just sat there watching a show, just racking that thing. And every once in a while, I would break the gun down again, take the, take the slide off of the rails and there was the oil never left the rails. It was there after 2,000 rounds, exactly what it looked like when I put it on was exactly what it looked like after 2,000 slide manipulation so that stuff does not leave i mean it stays there and that's exactly the way you described it when earlier in the show um the other thing that i was super impressed with was i mentioned that i on the feed ramp and the barrel there was some wear marks so i decided to use grease on those and the barrel is probably the best way to describe this i put a little drop on the barrel and then i used my finger and i rubbed it all over the barrel um and then I, you know, I did those manipulations, like I said. And then at one point I locked the slide back. <clears throat> and if you're listening, I, I, I wish I could get this in your hands so you could experience it. But it was like touching. <laughs> yeah, I said to my wife, it's like a seal's ass. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> have you ever touched I, a seal's ass? I haven't, but that's what I imagine a seal's ass would feel like. <laughs> like a like a 40 pound pack of potatoes. <laughs> no, but it was I'm gonna like, use that in our marketing. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a, a seal's, seal's ass. ass. It was no, so the way with I, Mike's picture next to it with a <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> no, but what I mean by that is it was smooth, but it wasn't like gloppy and like rubbing off on your finger and like yeah, gooey. Yeah, I it, know what you're talking it about. It was just like it was like silky. Yeah. Right. It was like silky and you could tell there was some sort of lubrication there. But and by the way, we've done an excellent job of not laughing at lubrication. I, I gotta be honest, because I was a little worried that we were gonna take it a little too far, but we've, we've gone been we, professional. We, we've been very professional. Yes. Been very professional. Yeah. Good job. I, guys. I did want to ask Matt if you had, you know, used any of this in your personal life or tried to develop anything <laughs> new for your personal life, but I, I chose not to. <laughs> yeah. That's, now that's a whole different set of chemistry. You don't wanna yeah. You don't want to cross the streams on that stuff. <laughs> cross the streams. Or cross swords. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no. Okay, there we go. Downhill fast. Ah, shit. Damn it. All right. So anyway. You were doing so good. Yeah. We were so good. So anyway, uh, I, I really like the grease. Uh, I will use that on the barrel from now because I was very impressed on how yeah. that kind of like left lubrication, but it was not goopy and, and you know, and stuff like that. So go ahead. Great. I, I experienced some of the same things. The only... Um, the only difference that I I experienced was I had the opportunity. I told you I took a new shooter out, and I was like, "Wow, I I have this these new products. Let me clean my gun. Uh, I'm I'm a, a little better than Mike, but not as not not as I probably should be." 
and I wanted to clean it before we went out and I figured I could shoot a little bit and then see what the results were after I shot it. And uh, I really noticed what we were talking about in the interview, Matt, which was kind of that bringing that carbon out to the top and sort of Mm -hmm. sitting there. I could almost see or, you know, really noticeably feel the, you know, the fact that the, the, the grease and the oil were still working as, as supposed to after it was done. And the, 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 I used it on a Smith and Wesson and M and P 45. And, uh, I noticeably had less, less jams and I don't have a lot of jams normally, but I'm usually good for one every few hundred or something. And we shot, I think, 250 or 300 rounds and I had no jams and the slide movement was just, it was like a new gun. It felt like I would just taken it out of the box. Um, and the only, the only, I don't want to say criticisms that I would have, but I guess more like wish list items were, is there a way to get like a wick type applicator for reaching down into like some of the little trigger ports and things like that? I actually want to jump on that as well. I, I know some companies, and I even thought I saw it on your product at some point in pictures. They have those like little fine needle applicators. It's yeah, like a little metal. I know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. It, like, go ahead. Yeah, we, we used we used metal uh, nozzles on those for a little while, but we were we were having trouble with the caps coming off. They break uh, or easy the, too. Or the needles breaking yeah. in range bags. Yeah, they break So really we easy. switched to a tapered plastic tip, which I found works pretty good generally. It's not um, bad, but you know what you know what I'm kind of talking like like almost like a Q tip. Yeah. Like could it be like that? Like Oh, okay. Um, you know, I, there's there's not really a solution for um having a Q tip with a nozzle through it that that I've been able to see. I mean, yeah. that would be really cool to use. And it might be an add-on that we could we could work out, but I've never seen anything like that available as far as packaging yeah, I, components. For, for me, it was just like, there was a couple points where the, the, and you're right, like the plastic nozzle, I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's pretty, oops, geez. It's, uh, that it's, one's open, buddy. It's pretty fine, but, um, mm-hmm. it's, I felt like one of those like metal needles would have been like really pinpoint to get in some like smaller yeah. areas. Um, that was my, the only thing like, um, there's a little bit on like where the slides are, oh, sorry, the rails are where it was, I was getting like big drops. I wish I could have got a little smaller of a drop. Yeah. I mean, that's the only knock I have. And, you know, I said earlier, you know, if, if the product was something that I was like, ah, like, this isn't working on my knife, my knife isn't any better. I probably would have called you and said, I don't know if, if we can, you know, really yeah. do this interview, but I have to tell you, uh, it is a fantastic product yeah it, it is cool. i mean and i'm Thank looking you. i'm looking right now um just give me one second matt w- one other thought that i had was um have you ever given any thought to like disposable or throw like wipes you know like little little pads or yeah we we have actually um that that's something that we sort of like the baffle coating is to scale up to the production on that that we need because i can't package that myself i have to send it out yep um and so we would have to do you know 600,000 units or something Got it. at a time. So, you know, as our company grows, I think options like that, some new packaging options will probably come available. I did, I did want to ask you what you thought you brought up the the applicator. If I, if I sold a little combo pack of different applicators, because all the fixtures yes. on all the bottles yes. yeah. are common. If I sold like a variety pack of applicators with long needles and different yep. things, is that, would that be a good value add oh, for the website? Yeah, oh yeah. I think so. I, I you know, especially just cause it, especially if you do it in like a little package like that, you know, and if yeah. you created like a little kit, like an echo combo kit with applicator package, like 
I, that would have been awesome. I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, you're you're 100% right. If I throw this in my range bag and that little needle breaks off, I'm going to be pissed off, right? But mm-hmm. if I'm on my bench and I'm doing, like, at-home cleaning, I want that needle applicator. On the field, maybe I just want to do yep. a quick dab and go. But I think that – I actually think – you know, that that would be a... That would be good. Good, yeah. And cool. All right, I'm going to work on that. Thank you for the suggestion. Definitely. And uh, I'm looking on the no website... charge for that, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate I'm, it. <laughs> I'm looking on the website. This is for you guys out there uh, listening in. The product line we're talking, the the uh, break contact is like 16 bucks for an 8-ounce bottle. The combo packs are like 15 bucks for uh, 14 bucks for a 2-ounce bottle of just the CLP. It's very competitive. It's, yeah, I mean, it, I think you even said it's a little more money, but we're not talking about a product that, this is going to last you a while. You know, yeah. you're going to yeah. get a lot of bang for your buck and it's a better product. It's safer for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's 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 definitely valuable. Yeah, I um, value. You know, I, I really uh, enjoyed using the product and I, I definitely think it's a, a worthwhile product. Well, I think it's time for the boys to sit around and shoot the shit. All right, so on shooting the shit tonight, we are going to talk about our must-haves for summer. This summer's tackle box. So summer's coming, uh, Keith. I know you like to kill the bass. I like to go out yeah. there and, and get those uh, the largemouth. And Matt, obviously, we share this. <laughs> the largemouth with lube. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, settle down now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Too much. Too much. Uh, all right. So anyway, uh, I thought what we would do is. Uh, we'll do round robin like we do often do, Keith. Um, do you want to start? Sure. All right, cool. I I was thinking really hard. I had some of the, I was like, I know everybody's going to have a lot of the basic stuff. So I was like, what do I have that's big Keith style? And um, the first thing that I have that is a must have, it's not a tackle box, but it goes with me with my tackle box, but it doesn't go in my tackle box if that's okay. And that's, it's, that's good. It's, it's a chair with a rotating bench. Cause where we fish around here a lot, you know, we have rowboats that you have to rent or at our club you can just use. And, uh, you know, this, I have one of those, you know, cushion chairs with a back that folds and I have a base on it. That's rotating with these fancy, you know, vice connection things that goes can, on the bench. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, it's a must-have, and it's yeah. been very comfortable. I think you've experienced them. Only the only time I've ever used them is with you, and I was like, "This is really nice," <laughs> and that is Big Keith style. Well, it's Cadillac Lincoln style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hoopty of boat, hoopty of, of, of rowboats, boat chairs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my my product, my first one is um, you got to have some kind of a hook out. So some guys will use needle nose pliers. That's kind of the old yep. school. But I have. It's actually called a hook out. And I have it. In, I'm having it in front of Keith because I don't know if you. Have I seen have these. one of these. Mine's a little longer. Yeah, they make a longer one. Yeah, yeah. You can get a little more lube for that too. A little more lube for that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but speaking of that, I took this out of my bag because I was looking through my bag for stuff and making sure, and it was all making all kinds of noise. It was not working well. And guess what? Tell me, you use Matt's lube. I use Matt's lube, and I lubed. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, and now look, look how smooth it is. Look, look at that. Look at that, right? I don't even hear it. Yeah, no, it's so smooth. So I took my shorty out, and I and I <laughs> and I lubed it up. So anyway, uh, but anyway, you have to have something to pull the hook out of the mouth, especially if your lures get, you know, deep down in there. Yes. Agreed. All right, Matt, you're up. All right. So my, my first item in the tackle bag is actually the tackle bag. So I like to do a a lot of shore fishing, right. And a lot of walking and, and beating the bushes. So I found this thing from this company called Hill People Gear and it's a chest rig and it, it's the perfect size for the little um, little lure boxes. So I can get two lure boxes and a bunch of soft plastics 
and a syringe of oil and a pair of forceps and, and every, everything else I need in it. And it's right there on my chest and I can open it up and it's a little shelf with my oh, lure box. Cool. I've seen open. that for like fly fishing. That you yeah, like, it's, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, it's like fly fisherman. It's a little bit bigger than some of those things that come with the waders. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, and it's real like, it's real lightweight and airy for the hot weather and stuff. So I've been using that uh, when shore fishing and kayaking. Uh, and that, that's been great for me. That's awesome. Uh, Keith, I meant to ask you, are you a, a tackle bag or tackle box? Well, it depends on the type of fishing. If I'm, you know, largemouth bass fishing, something like that, I like a tackle box just because okay. I have a place in the boat to put it. But when I'm fishing like Matt's talking, you know, I have yeah. more like a bag. I switched to bag because I like that you can have the bins and you can swap out bins yeah. for different things. But I, I just was curious. Uh, go ahead, Keith, you're up. Uh, so the next thing that's, you know, in this is actually in my tackle box. But again, since we do a lot of electric motoring, motor fishing, I have... Uh, decided that over the years you must also have some sort of adjustable wrench to take off the propeller on these you know electric motors when they get clogged from all the weeds you want to fish in mm-hmm. um so an adjustable wrench to uh, work on that electric motor when you're out in the middle because we all know i do not want to row back yeah. so we yeah. gotta figure that out i think we actually when you and i went out we had to use one too Yes. Right, so that's yeah. two t- two things you brought that I was very impressed with. Well, thank you. All right. So for me, I know this is this is like everyone should have this on their list, but um, my favorite type of fishing is because I'm really not a great fisherman, so I know one thing, and I I just work that is uh, I like plastics uh, for Texas rig. So I like uh, either the uh, Gary Yamamoto or um, the Yums are good. I just started using uh, uh, Strike Kings. Okay, and they're. They've been really good. Yeah. And uh, don't forget the little cone weights on the top. I yeah. like those a lot. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously, if you're going to Texas rig, you need the special hook with the little angle at the top. Yeah, I do the, I like the weedless rig a little. Is, oh, no, the Texas rig is weedless. Is weedless. It's the, I always, I thought you were talking about the wacky rig. No, 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 no. I like the, uh, the Texas rig. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what's next? Uh, well, recently I've added to my, my rig a first aid kit uh, oh, because oh, I was, yeah. I was you. kayaking through a cypress swamp. And something reached out and grabbed my hand and pulled it up into a tree. And that something was uh, a rusty, um, you know, 10 aught catfish rig. And it went all the way through my finger. And I was like hanging from this tree in a swamp by my finger. And so, and so after that experience, I ended up uh, carrying some first aid supplies so that I could have, that way I could have gotten the hook out myself without having to paddle back two miles with a, yeah, not with really, a, cir- a really good one finger. that I'm embarrassed to say I don't have in my box either. I don't either. It's, yeah. I, I got to get better at that. We always talk about this. I, we had a, one of our first guests, Matt was a company that made tourniquets and I, I do have more tourniquets than I used to, but I definitely need to get better at first aid stuff. Yeah. In general. So, yeah. It's good one. Uh, Keith, go ahead. No, no, yours. It's is me. It, is it me or is it me? I don't, it's you. Is it me or me? It's me. Uh, the, again, uh, just one I thought was fun for the way that we like to go fishing and got to have a good cooler that fits in the boat and, uh, you know, you can put some ice in it and I like it, some beverages. Definitely. Uh, for me, real simple one, little line clippers. It's the one they look like the nail, they look like the nail clippers, but I mean, I found those things. I either put it on my belt loop or I put it on my bag. And like when you're changing out lures, it's good to just clip and keep going. So. That's one I have to have those. I have a couple of them. Go ahead, Matt. So my my favorite and most reliable uh, bass lure combo has got to be the Zoom Super Fluke Junior, nose hooked with like a one aught wacky hook, and I 
I'll cast out on a light, like a seven foot little tiny spinning reel um, and work it like a jerk bait. I can, I can catch bass anywhere on that thing. If I only took one thing as far as lures to the lake, that would be it. Cool. Uh, is it me? Uh, I've, I've already no, lost it's, track. It's, it's you. Let's do one more each and then we'll call okay. it quits. Me. Uh, I also like to, again, I'm, I'm sorry for not keeping everything in the tackle box, but I just like to be difficult. It's fun. Um, I, I always bring with me an extra rod and reel. I, I, I didn't always do that growing up. And, uh, for the last few years I've been taking out an extra reel and it's great to have a second rig already set up and Matt, as much as you fish, I'm sure you're like, yeah, that's a no brainer. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that's been, that's been a lot of fun. Like recently I put a frog on one and then like a plastic on another. I'm the like same. I, I started bringing two. I'll bring the ultralight. You know, that's a lot of fun sometimes. Yeah. If the big ones aren't hitting, the ultra life makes it feel like yep. you're getting Catch some bigger hits. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. Um, my last one, I don't own one, but I really want to get one. Uh, I want to get a nice uh, rubber net, the nets to get them. Oh, yeah. Because I, I, a lot of times I lose a fish right at the boat. And they actually say... If you don't get it in the boat, it don't count. That's it. And they actually they actually say it's better for the fish, too. So if you're doing a lot of catch and release, it's more humane. So I'm I'm down with that. Okay. All right, Matt, you're going to wrap it up for us. All right. My, my other favorite lure and most reliable, it's got to be the Lucky Craft um, square bill in either the bluegill patterns or the magma peacock. I, I can just catch bass anywhere on, on those Lucky Craft square bills. Awesome. They're great. Yeah, I've not ever seen those. I got to look at those. Yeah, Lucky write that Craft. down, Keith. All right. So, uh, Matt, I want to thank you for coming on the show and, you know, discussing the company and explaining all the ins and outs of, you know, just all the maintenance and lubrication. I mean, it really is, uh, it's something I think like a lot of people don't think about, you know, it's just like you just use that old, like you said, your grandfather's stuff. And, uh, I was very, I was blown away. I don't know, Keith, I mean, I was blown away. I did not think there'd be that big of a difference from one thing to another, but I did really see the benefit. Uh, Awesome. Yeah, so I, thank you for uh, letting us test it. Thank you for being so kind to let us kind of uh, give you our feedback and, and taking that into consideration. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been really fun hanging out with you guys tonight. Yeah, thank Great you. News. Thank you. So to everyone listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all our social media, so be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so we can keep the conversation going.